0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. I've been thinking about this play. I've gone through the following. Oh, God why did I say would do Tennessee Williams what was I thinking? I mean oh my God uh, however you will get some of my Tennessee Williams stories there is a world that exists which is a term I started using because I thought social circumstance was, too, was I don't know, it was too prissy. But a world, I understand. So there is a world that exists. Every play has about it a world. Even a TV series has a world. All right, so there's this world that exists. And there are people, characters, in this world. And they are handling, or not handling, a circumstance, a situation. There's something going on. Let's just put it that way. There's something going on. And the struggle we have to go through to figure that out is like difficult, but rewarding. I'll put it that way. Okay, so the American theater, the theater in general, Tom Stoppard included, shows how completely frustrated man is, mankind is. And it's what I said earlier. It's like there was a bargain made that somehow or another hasn't worked out. Somehow or another, there is this insane need to be happy. I'm not quite sure why anybody thought that, but somehow or another... People have been fed a bill of goods that they are meant to be happy. Yes, Tamara. I wonder if it's the characters are looking for the promise of the American dream and they've been betrayed because that promise hasn't been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. An interesting difference between Tennessee Williams, by the way, and the two writers we've done before, Clifford Odets and Arthur Miller, is that what you will find is that Tennessee doesn't blame anyone. You know, and I think that's very interesting. Chekhov doesn't blame anyone, kind of. Arthur Miller blames society. It is so clear what he is blaming. And When we were working on All My Sons, it's like everybody is a victim of this thrust towards commercialism. As is Odette's. We're all being forced into the pressure of success. Tennessee doesn't blame anybody, but he does understand that man is frustrated, that he has been wronged by civilization. Man lives with institutions that wreck him and give him false values. So, I mean, that's part of it. Now, the reason this is important is because it helps us with the idea that the play is not about the lines. I kind of have to know what I'm getting into when I start to deal with a play. That that somehow or another, there is a difficulty. It's almost cutting to the chase to say, so what's the problem? What's the conflict? I mean, there's certain things that we know. I mean, as an example, When the curtain goes up on a living room, I go, oh, no. Oh, a family in conflict. I don't think I can sit through it. It's too much for me. And not just in terms of the American dream, Tamara. I think it even goes further than that. I mean, somehow or another. So here's my thought. Uh, I will never be giving a three-day seminar on the power of positive thinking. I'm very much like Eugene O'Neill. I think life sucks and then you die. Anyway, but I have often thought that if anybody told you before you were born what was going to happen in your life, nobody in their right mind would agree to being born. I mean, if there was a contract, And that you had to sign it and say, oh, so, you know, understand, uh, half your social group will die when you're in your late 30s from a plague that no one can cure. And, and, And it was all written out. And you say, "Okay, you have to agree that any of these things could happen. Sign here. Nobody would sign. I mean, who would walk into this? I mean, this is what we're up against. And so, and somehow or another, I don't know what our parents told us. I have to say, I was brutal with my kid. (laughs) He stayed out all one night and he came back and there was a letter that said, you have now wasted an entire night when you could have been working on your acting. If that's what you plan on doing, You can go back to New Zealand and live with your mother and go to work at Adidas. I'm sure you'll become a manager by the end of the year. So that was, yeah, it was fabulous. I got to be the father I should have had if I was going to accomplish anything. Anyway, okay. So many, many plays have to do with this grabbing onto something that's not real. Another thing that they have to do with, and that has a lot to do with this play, and you all will remember from the last play we did, they have to do, well, well, actually all of them, all the plays that we've done have had to do with there is a change. And change is very difficult for people. It's about the only thing I remember from my college chemistry class, which I still can't believe I took, But one of the things we learned in chemistry class is that all change is bad. (laughs) It's like you mix two elements, they're going to blow up. So it's similar with the kind of structure of plays. It's similar with the structure of plays that have to do with change. So if you think about it, if you think back on plays, you know, Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman cannot handle the change that has taken place in the world. Nobody wants a salesman anymore. So playwrights write a lot about people who have difficulty giving up one way of life and adapting to a new way of life. And you'll see how these general notes apply when we get to glass menagerie. Because glass menagerie is all about the change of this way of life. The change of this way of life came from there was a world that existed in the plantations. There was this wealth of the people living in the plantations. And then the plantations went. The cotton mills dried up. And so eventually there were no plantations. I mean, and you can see it. You, you, you no doubt know Streetcar. And, and so they lost Belle Reeve. And so th- th- this particular loss suddenly meant a change in life. And so this hovers over the South. This hovers over plays about the South, certainly Tennessee. The difference is, I I have to say, here is, and this is what's interesting. I'm giving general notes about plays and Tennessee as we move into Tennessee. And, And the reason for this, by the way, is one of the things, as I create the world, one of the things that I find very, very important is who the writer is um uh, it's why i do i will do work on tennessee williams because if you know who the writer is you have a sense of what cloud you're under cloud being the operative word i think when it comes to writers and it's interesting because what you'll find is you do one tennessee williams play then the next time you do a tennessee williams play you'll go to the to the file folder in your brain It says Tennessee Williams, and you'll know a few things. So the question is, how do they deal with their particular problems? And I would suggest that they deal with these problems through fantasy. They deal with these problems through escape. Because Laura in the scene will eventually get to Escapes into her glass menagerie uh, Amanda escapes into seventeen gentlemen callers and the 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 ball dress that she still has so the reality isn't enough. Blanche in streetcar in this hovel of an apartment puts up a Chinese lantern a paper lantern because she likes colored lights. You see what I mean? So it's important for us to identify there is a world of conflict, there is a world that's going on and there are people that escape from it. What you'll find at the end of the play, Glass Menagerie, is Tom says, I didn't go to the moon, I went much further, he escapes. And when you read the the whole play, you know he none, he escaped his mother, he escaped his sister, he left them with no electricity. He ha, he had to leave to survive. That's an important thing. They cannot face reality, and so they run away from it. That's a very very. I mean, there are characters that you will know that exist that way. Whether or not they are capable of doing something that might save them, they don't. Instead, they create and live in their own world. I completely understand that. My notes from Stella are people at the end of their ability to cope. There isn't a Tennessee Williams play without someone who cannot deal with life. First of all, it is is an interesting analysis of it because it's an actorly analysis of it. As soon as you say that, you say, oh, yes, I know what that means. I don't know exactly what that character is, but as soon as somebody says, a character who does not know how to deal with life, I feel myself saying, ah, yes, I can play that. I can move into that. All right, is this interesting you? Does this does, does this make sense? I mean, do you see how this, that this just begins to give us this kind of, okay, now I'm under, I started with nothing. I knew nothing. I've seen a Tennessee Williams play. I've read Glass Menagerie because I had to. I had to in the 11th grade. <laughs> in fact, Tennessee gave a, I, I produced a flop of his. Anyway, in Tennessee gave a, party for all of us. And we were in his hotel room at the uh, Hotel Ulisse, where he stayed. And so it was very late, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. We'd been drinking all night. We're sort of sitting there. And and, um, Tennessee is sitting in a chair, and there's a coffee table. And there are three actors sitting on one side. and there're Three of us sitting on the other side. I was at the end. And... My friend Tim was sitting next to it, and so Tennessee took out a book of uh, Shakespeare sonnets and turned to the actor next to me. He said, read your favorite sonnet. And so this brilliant actor, Tom Aldridge, read a Shakespeare sonnet, and, and Tennessee took the book and handed it to the actor sitting on the sofa on the right. He read one, and it sort of went that way from one side of the, to the table to the others and as we were getting dangerously close to me I said um, Tennessee why don't you read something for us and so Tennessee got up and kind of walked into the bedroom part of his suite and came back with a volume of William Blake poems about death and so he sat reading to us in that Southern voice of his. I turned to my friend, Tim, who was, I'd gotten a job on this production and I said, boy, I'll tell you life. I said, when I was in the 11th grade, I wrote an essay in my English class that said that the symbolism in the glass menagerie was too obvious. And I I said and here I am drunk with Tennessee Williams at four o'clock in the morning while he's reading Blake poetry. I went wow. Okay, that's how that works. Hey everybody, it's Walker Vreeland, producer of I Don't Need an Acting Class. The podcast is conceived and hosted by Milton Justice, and our music is provided by Jeffrey Keiser. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And thanks so much for listening.